the voice that comes up. There it is. And we <laughs> are live. <laughs> JT here. Welcome to the huddle. The huddle is where I sit down with successful people from the world of sport and coaching. It's to learn more about their journey to greatness. Why do I have these conversations? Because success always leaves clues. I want to take a moment to thank you. Whether you are watching on YouTube or on Facebook, or whether you're listening to the audio on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me and my special guest today. And here's my friendly reminder to you. The mind is like a parachute. It works best when it's wide open. So my challenge to you is to go all in on this conversation, to remove any distractions and get laser focused on the here and the now. And I guarantee you, you will gain a valuable nugget of wisdom that will not only help you succeed in sport, but more importantly, in the game of life. Been looking forward to my conversation with my special guest today. And before we hit record, I was just saying how much I was looking forward to our conversation and how, you know, this conversation is was just meant to happen right here and right now. Uh, my guest in the huddle today is currently serving as the manager of equity, diversity, inclusion, and uh, student experience with the Ontario University Athletics, and also was recently uh, named the president and CEO of the recently rebranded Inclusion and in Sport and Canadian Sport Network. My guest in the huddle today is Shauna Bokel. How are you today, Shauna? I'm great. Thank you so much for inviting me on here. Definitely. You know, uh, I think back to our first uh, connection was in preparation for the diversity in sport conference. And it was just uh, such a amazing growth opportunity for me. When I first met you, just the energy, enthusiasm and passion you, you approached life with, I just knew I needed to get to learn more about <laughs> your journey to greatness. I appreciate that. And sometimes you always wonder, like, do people even notice? Do people know how much time, how much energy, how much passion goes into what we do? And um, it's like, if it's, if whatever I'm doing is able to rub off on somebody else, then for me, that's like, you know what, I actually, what I'm doing is making a difference. So that's what keeps me going. It keeps me fueled to continue the push and to continue the drive. Absolutely. Um, now, before we get kicked off, pun intended, I just want to take a moment to count my blessings. Uh, for me, this is a daily practice. Some days I do it better than others, but I do find the days I'm most consistent with counting my blessings. I do find those days are filled with a little more love, a little more joy, and a little more peace. And uh, I'm a big believer, the biggest blessing you can give anyone is your time and energy. So I just want to thank you again for blessing me with some of your time and energy especially during this in-demand point of the fall athletic season? Again, it's for me, I've always believed and I've been taught it's like every person comes into your life for a reason. They come into your life to be a blessing or they come into your life to be a lesson from mm -hmm. that aspect. And from the moment I met you, it's like, you know, being with the way our first interaction, just the emails and going back and forth, it's, I'm looking forward, and I said it, I'm looking forward to working with you. I'm looking forward to growing with you in this mm. journey that we're both on because it is a blessing to meet other people who have that same drive, that same passion, and that same energy. And when people like us can come together, there's literally nothing that can stop us from succeeding and helping to provide other opportunities for other people that are either at the same pace as us or the ones that are coming up behind us that will continue to move that torch forward when it's time for us to kind of retire a little bit and relax. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And um, it's a great reminder that, you know, one of the ways to live a rich and meaningful life is to enrich the lives of others first. Mm -hmm. mm. Definitely. Okay. okay. So I'm curious, uh, Life has, uh, sport has obviously played an important role for you in your life. 
Um, you know, you're still a very active and, and servant-based leader in the space today, and you're really doing your best to enrich the experience for everyone involved. I'm curious, sport often gives us many or, or reinforces important life lessons that go well beyond, you know, the arena, you know, the field, the court. Is there a life lesson that you've taken away from sport? And again, I know you can name many that you find yourself still applying to your life in other areas. Oh, goodness. Yes. It's, I'll never forget like my very, very first interaction in getting involved in sports. So I got injured when I was 13. I ended up tearing my ACL. So I couldn't play sports. And of course, like, you know, when you're 13, you think your life is over. It's like, oh my goodness, I've torn my ACL. Oh, I can't play sports anymore. I'm over. And it's like, you go through the whole dramatic situation. Mm -hmm. And at the time there was um, this lady named Darcel Wright, who worked at Ontario basketball. And of course I, I played basketball and that's how I tore my ACL. And um, Darcel was a family friend. And she, so she told my parents like, hey, let her come like volunteer with me throughout the summer because I couldn't play sports anymore. Um, and I was waiting to have my surgery. So for the summer, I went to go volunteer with her at the Basketball Ontario office. And over the time of me volunteering with her, she always, like, there's a little nuggets that she taught me along those routes. And she would always say to me, never give somebody a job that you're not willing to do yourself. Mm. And that to me right there, it's like, at first, again, I'm 13. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what do you mean never give somebody a job that I would do myself? And whenever she gave me a task to do, she was doing it with me. And she would start it off. She would help me to make sure I got into a groove. I understood what I was doing. So this is how, like, so we're going back in the day when we didn't have the NCCP locker where you can just punch in a number and then you can look up somebody's credentials. We had the infamous black book that it's like, if you were looking for somebody's name, you had to go chronological to find it, to put a little check mark, to make sure it was updated. And we had those little passport cards. It was probably the most tedious job I have ever done in my life. Mm -hmm. But she was right there with me for the half of the day, making sure I understood what I was doing, making sure I knew how to check the registrations that came in and how to do all these different things and how to file it and do it properly and all those little things she would teach me. And then the next day she was like, okay, we're now going to put together the newsletters again before digital newsletters and everything from that end. It was doing all those mail inserts. And when you have like 20 different sheets of paper that you have to put together with a letter and then put it in an envelope with the labels and everything from that end. But she was again, and she was in a manager role and she's sitting there showing me how to do it. And she's doing it with me, doing inventory of clothing. And that stuck with me for over 30 years. And mm -hmm. I never give my staff or my interns or anybody that I work with anything that I would not do myself. And I will be there with them at the beginning, counting inventory, picking up boxes, moving things around, setting, setting things up making sure it's like everybody calls it the grunt work, the work that nobody wants to do, but I'm right there doing it with them because if I'm not willing to do it myself, then how could I expect other people to do it if I'm not willing to do it too? So it's like, I it took a while for me to understand, like understand what Darcel meant when she told me that when I was 13. Mm -hmm. And we're now like over 30 years later and it's still something that I practice. Do I like doing inventory? Not at all. But it's also something I know if I don't like doing inventory, I can guarantee you my staff or my interns don't like doing it either. But when mm -hmm. they see that I'm doing it with them, that's a different set of examples that I'm setting from that aspect. Mm. I appreciate you sharing this, you know, part of your lived experience. And it's interesting how, you know, those early lessons on Great leaders will show you through their actions, not just tell you with their words. So, mm -hmm. so I'm curious, how has that lesson continued to grow and evolve with you as you have, you know, stepped into different leadership roles, you know, and, and just different experiences? How, how has that continued to just serve you? It's, it's something, again, it's what was always installed 
everybody, and I was always told, is like, anybody can talk, but it's your actions that will make a difference. And not all your actions are going to be visible for people to see. Like people don't, it's like, and every time I always think of it, I think of that iceberg picture where everybody sees that nice shiny iceberg at the top of the water, but underneath the water, you don't see the hustle. You don't see the late nights. You don't see all the failed attempts. You don't see the rejections and everything from that nature. And it has taught me, it's like, the other thing, the lesson that I learned was like, it's not just leading by example. It's learning to, it's understanding that if plan A doesn't work, you still have how many more alphabets until you get to plan Z. You want to exhaust every single, all parts of your options before throwing in the towel and saying, I'm going to give up because giving up is easy. And that I think that's why my passion and everything still grows because a lot of other people, if they or if they get a no and a no, you got two no's. Well, I can still get 20 plus no's before you never know if somebody might say yes down that line. And somebody might see that hustle. Somebody might see that passion. Somebody might see that drive and that value of what we're trying to do and be like, you know what? I'm going to take a chance on that person. I'm going to take a chance on that vision. And that was something I've done for a while. Like when trying to work in the sports industry, I remember applying for a job after job after job and getting all those back then again getting those letters in the mail and you know when you got that envelope in the mail it's like oh I didn't get the job that single sheet envelope whereas if you got that phone call it's like okay great I got the interview I got the job and I can move forward Mm -hmm. but it was it took a long time because it's hard it's hard to get rejected it's hard to continue moving forward but I'm also looking at it as especially now I have people looking up to me and if people see me giving up so easily, then they're going to be like, well, if Shauna can't do it or if Shauna's giving up, then maybe I should give up too. And what I've hopefully shown a lot of my staff and interns over the years is not to give up and to continue moving forward. And yes, there are going to be times where, all right, I got to plan Z and it didn't work, but I got to plan Z, it didn't work. How can I change it to make Mm -hmm. sure when I go back to plan A, for this new version like this new vision it's going to work so it's Mm -hmm. learning how to adapt how to change and then also aligning yourselves up with people that support you because having that support system is a big deal and will help you move forward in what you want to do it's so timely what you shared there and and it was interesting as you were sharing you know these these words that start to come up the, the value of persistence the value of patience, of perspiration, right? You think back to all the things that that made you a high quality athlete, all those, again, persistence, patience, right? And um, it's interesting because I think we live in an interesting time now where social media is great, right? There are a lot of mm-hmm. benefits to it. The challenge I always like to remind people is like, we're seeing the highlight reels, right? You were talking earlier about yeah. how with championship season, everyone sees the picture of the of the team and, and the captains raising the trophy but you don't always see all the behind the scenes reps and sets at practice mm-hmm. in the weight room that actually help them to hoist that trophy so it's, uh, i love yeah. the reminder yeah it's i have that picture of the iceberg and i always share it with all my interns and all the students and people everywhere i go it's they don't see everything so just because people don't see the failed attempts people don't see your heart, like the late nights, the early mornings, the grit, they don't see you working hard, doesn't mean you give up. So it's like, if people choose to only see part of that journey that you go on, that's, that's on them. But you have to know what you're going to do to get to that journey. And it's, it's also put it in perspective. Are you doing this so you can get the likes on social media? Are you doing this so people can praise you for that very itty bitty part that they see? Or are you doing this because you want to go somewhere and you want to also open other doors and you want to keep pursuing an avenue that other people haven't pursued or other people haven't gone down? And here's a chance for you to be an example, for be a leader and to open doors for the next generation coming in behind you. Mm. It's interesting what you shared there was just this idea of like leaving places and spaces and people better than before you got there. Mm hmm. Hmm. exactly so so I'm curious you know the one thing I've really come to appreciate about you again is is that passion right to just make the world a a better place so I'm curious 
what was the inspiration for you to step into this role with the OUA, um, you know, coming in through a lens of, you know, making things more equitable, diverse, inclusive, and just really enhancing the student experience? I'm curious, what was the inspiration for you? To be very honest, I, the inspiration, I would have to say it was my president, like my, my president from Field Hockey Ontario, Richard Kroll. And it was a conversation I was having with him and he looked at me when the job posting came up and he sent it to me and he was like, you need to apply for this job. And I looked at it like, you know, after reading his email, I called him and I was like, I'm not applying for this job. Like, why am I going to apply for this job? I'm an executive director at an PSO or provincial sport organization. If people don't know what PSO is and I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm doing stuff in here. And and he was like, okay, he's like, we're not going to talk about this over the phone. So the next time I saw him in person, he was like, you're applying for this job. And he's like, and you're applying for this job because you've outgrown field hockey. He was like, you have so much to give and so much that people can learn from that. He's like, you're being, it's being selfish, keeping you for one sport when you can make an impact across more sports and across more lives and it was like listening to him because here I'm thinking I'm like you just want to get rid of me I'm like well, I'm like I thought I was doing a good job I thought I was bringing all these things in and making all these changes and he just said you've outgrown it here he's like you've outgrown mm -hmm. and it's time for you to share what you're doing with a greater with a bigger audience and he was telling me that and then I had a couple of other board members who also were just calling me and they're just like we don't want you to leave but it's the best thing for you to leave it's the best thing mm -hmm. for you to grow and they're like you're not going to grow anymore here because you've done what you can do you've taken us to where we can go from that aspect and now it's time for you to they take on a new challenge and especially at the timing of how everything was coming out during that timing between 2020 and 2022, it was that point where they didn't really have a lot of BIPOC, especially Black female leaders. Mm -hmm. And Sandra Levy didn't come into her position until later 2022. And then, you know, you had Charmaine Crooks who came on with Soccer Canada I think at the end of 2022 or 2023, when she became the president of, or the chair of that organization. So there really wasn't a lot of black women, particularly in senior positions or different positions, making that impact. And to know that I had that support and that other people believed in me more than I believed in myself, mm -hmm. that it was one of those where, okay, I'm going to try this. It's like, they see something in me that clearly I'm not seeing and they think I can make this impact. So let me really see if this is a good fit. And if this, if this is the right opportunity for me to go down and go from there. Mm. It's interesting as you share that and, and why it resonates with me is, you know, similar to you, I was, uh, you know, had, was on a different adventure, right? Mine was in education and like mm. you just felt like, at the time, I couldn't put my finger on it, but there was something else out there, right? There was just a different opportunity to help and serve people in a different, using a different vehicle. So I can definitely yeah. appreciate it. It, it. it doesn't feel warm and fuzzy when you take the road less traveled. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of those where I was like, I thought I did a good job. Yeah. And then it's like, I'm like, you really want to get rid of me? And they're like, don't look at it like that. They're like, look at it as how can you continue to grow? How can you continue to make an impact? For... So it took me a while to see it in a different light. And especially mm -hmm. because it's, you know, there, there isn't at the time, I was the only black female executive director in this country. So mm -hmm. it was one of those things where it's hard enough as a BIPOC working in sport. Mm -hmm. It's hard enough when, like, you know, you have to keep pushing and keep moving and keep like you have to stay on your toes at all times. And I think I just got in a comfortable groove where I was like, all right, I found my niche. I know what I'm doing and taking on a new challenge during that time mm -hmm. was terrifying. And I was like, am I ready for this? Is this something I could really take on and be successful? And I think my biggest point was I didn't want to disappoint people. And that mm -hmm. was the hardest part was, because it was such a big role and because there was so much attention on this role, I wanted to make sure I was doing it justice and making sure I didn't disappoint the people that were depending 
on whoever this person was that filled the role. Mm, I love that. Um, so I'm curious in your role, I, you know, again, I've been able to kind of see some of these changes. The one thing I, I feel like you've brought to this role is you've invited people to the table, right? Like I even think of that diversity in sport conference, you had so many different stakeholders. And what I loved about it was everything about the event where people just sharing their lived experience, their expertise, just says, hey, this is what I've done. Maybe you can take a nugget and apply it. So it was really this very communal, very family-oriented event. So I'm curious, have you noticed anything either, you know, in preparation of that beautiful event or that you've taken away and seeing sort of what has, what has manifested from that event? Yeah, it was, again, like growing up and for me, some of the lessons I've learned, it's like one thing I've always been taught is don't be afraid to bring somebody who's smarter than you to the table. <laughs> don't be afraid to have people that are going to help you grow as an individual. And when I took this role on, I'm like, I am not an expert in, and like, you know, anti-racism. I am not an expert in inclusion and equity, but I'm going to go find those experts. I'm going to go find those individuals and bring them to the table. And like, again, why do I, if we're supposed to be in this to grow together, why do I want to keep this to myself and not share it with everybody else? And that way we're all on the same page together. We're all on the same wavelength and we are growing together for a better future with what we want to do. And there's a lot of people doing some amazing work out there, but for whatever reason, some people just don't know they exist because they, they may not have the flashy titles or they don't, they're not in the, like, you know, the media or the spotlight for different organizations and whatnot, but they are doing the work. They're doing the, like everything at the ground. They just needed that opportunity to mm -hmm. say, here I am, here's some opportunities and no, it's not new. We've actually been doing this for 10, 20, 15 years. And be, um, because of a very tragic, fortunate, what happened in 2020, it brought things to light, but we've been doing this for a very long time. And here's how you can get started. And here's how we can help you from that aspect. And it was more important for me to bring people together than it was for us to be selfish and start like, you know, working in silos. Because mm -hmm. if we are going to tackle situations, we need to work together. And coming from that conference and looking at things now, I'm seeing more collaborations. I'm seeing more groups come together and say, let's do this together instead of working individually. And if we can get more people to work together, mm -hmm. it's a that is a dangerous thing right there. And it shows that we are united and we all have a common goal from that aspect. And that's what the conference was. The conference was to help bring people together and share the same knowledge out there. The other thing, it's like sometimes some stuff are expensive. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I've seen there's some training and there's some opportunities that I would love to do and I would love to be a part of. And then I see the cost of it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's like, that's a little expensive from that aspect. I don't know if that's in my budget right now. So being able to bring some speakers, being able to bring some presenters and panelists to a conference and making it affordable for people to attend, that was my other goal that I had. Because if somebody can't afford to have somebody come in and do a one-off because they just don't have it in their budget, the size of their organization, here's an opportunity to pay the 75 or $100 for one day or two days and get as much information, get as much examples and things from this area so you can bring it back to your organization and at least get started from that aspect. For the organizations that do have a healthier budget and a bigger budget, they were able to reach out to some of those presenters and some of those organizations and say, I want to continue that conversation. Can you come and do a training session with us? Can we set up those calls and those conversations? And that's what that conference was for, was to get people to the table and start talking. And I've had people say, can you make the conference virtual? No. <laughs> like, no, it's not going to be virtual because Unfortunately, these are uncomfortable conversations that need to be have. And I'm not going to have a conference where you can just turn off your camera and you're not even in the room or you're multitasking. It's like 
for a day, for 24 hours or 48 hours, it's time to be uncomfortable and have these uncomfortable conversations. Because now, hopefully, with you being in that room for the 24 or 48 hours, however long you're at that conference, it will give you a small snippet of an insight of how some of your BIPOC employees and athletes and coaches and people feel of what we go through 365. Mm -hmm. So it's for some people, it's like, yes, we know what you're going through. We respect, like, you know, we empathize, but do you really like when you're in the room, you can feel that energy. You can hear it in their voices. You can see it in their faces and their passion. You can't get that over zoom. And that's why this conference and hopefully we'll give people more than enough notice to say it's in person, here it is. And eventually like it's not, in my opinion, it's not something that should be virtual because again, like these are the conversations that need to be had in a safe space, in a room, but it's also being uncomfortable and mm -hmm. that's okay because now we're going to, we're going to teach you how to become comfortable. And how do we grow so when eventually you are sitting in these rooms, you don't feel uncomfortable, but you are comfortable and able to say, here's how I can support you. Here's what I've learned. Here's how I move forward in this direction. Mm. So that's the goal, hopefully. Oh, so many valuable nuggets of wisdom there. Um, I love that you've made it in person as it sort of forces and prompts people to have, you know. Uh, we have a team Ontario coach often talks about the, the importance of being able to have hot conversations, honest, open, transparent conversations. And as you and I both know, that is a skill that has been lost a little bit in, in today's digital yeah. world. Um, yes. The other thing of which I would love to share with you, I don't think I shared this with you, was um, in my travels this fall, I had an opportunity to meet with one of the young leaders that was currently an oh. OUA athlete and was just... Nice. Um, was just sharing some of his lived experience and was also sharing he's doing some nonprofit work. He started a nonprofit and is giving back to his community. And it was interesting how just you creating that space for us to meet and be in that same, and we never talked at the event, but just built that level of trust to where he could come up to me after practice. And we just had a great conversation. And it just, again, I, I just want to thank you for providing that opportunity, but then also providing a new connection that I otherwise wouldn't have had. Yeah, it's, it was honestly, it's like, I never realized. So if you, when you look at it, I've been doing this for a very long time, working in sports, going to these conferences. And usually when I go to these conferences or if I go to different things, sometimes I'm the only black person in the room. Sometimes I'm only BIPOC in the room. And sometimes if there's other people, it's less than a handful, like less than five that are in a room. Mm -hmm. And for me, the eye-opener was I went to a conference in the US. I was in a room with 600 Black people. And I'm literally like looking around being like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, I was like, I've never been in a room with this many black people in sport doing the same thing that I do mm -hmm. understanding the world that I'm in and are able to support me in ways I can't get in Canada and when I was thinking about that when I was in my hotel room that night and I was just like sharing the thoughts of that day with my with my family my mom and my dad and I was like I sat there being like why do I have to leave Canada to be in a room full of Black people? I was like, why can't I do this in Canada? Why can't I be in a room full of minorities who work amateur sport? Because that was the other part. Everybody in that room worked amateur sport. It wasn't people that worked professional sport. And it has nothing to knock with professional sport, but professional sport and amateur sports are apples and oranges. When you look at the things that we do and the growth from that aspect, and I was like, I don't want to, not a lot of people can pay to go to the U.S. to flights, hotel, uh, like uh, um, food, the registration fee for the conference and all of these things that you have to pay for. It adds up. And with the cost of everything here, it's like some, I just felt everybody should be able to benefit what I'm benefiting from, but not leaving Canada to benefit from it. So and then I happened to come back to Canada. And then again, I went to a conference out in Ottawa 
And I look around the room and there's only three, three minorities. And I was like, oh, here we go again. And I got tired of it. And I was like, no, we're not going to do this again. We're going to do something about this. We're going to create a space. And Mm. even growing up when I was in sport management, I wasn't, I was one of probably five people at Brock University that were a minority in the sport management program. When I went to Durham, I was it. When I went to West Virginia, I was it in my program. And again, the only time I can go into a room full of Black people when I was a student is when I went to, um, it was for Black students at West Virginia's campus. And I was like, this is amazing. And I remember what that felt like being like for a student. So I wanted that same experience for the students here. Mm. I wanted them to see you are not alone. There is a network of people that are here to support you. There are people who look like you in careers that you want to go into who can share with you some of the struggles we've gone through, can share with you what you can expect going into this industry. And here are some of our, here are some of some of the things that we've learned. Here are some of our best practices. And are we perfect? Absolutely not. Like we're still learning. We're still growing. But the difference is, we can now do it together. Mm. We now have that network to continue working together. Like when we had that emerging leaders program, after at the end of the night, I just sat there and I just cried because for me, I've never been in a room with that many Black students and leaders in Canada. And the fact that we were able to pull on an event like that in Canada was amazing because that has never happened from that aspect to see some of like I think our future is bright to be very honest in sport with some of these amazing BIPOC leaders coming up I'm like you know what I'm excited to retire because when I see who's coming in behind us I know that they're going to keep pushing that envelope I know they're going to keep they're not going to take no for an answer. I know they're going to look at plan A to plan Z and they're going to continue pushing forward and opening up the door and put like, you know, just doing something that we're trying to do right now. And I'm just in, I'm excited to get round two going for this conference and mm-hmm. hopefully continue the succession of what we've done and having that safe space for people to come to gather, to learn, to network and walk away and realize I am not alone. Mm-hmm. I have a network of people that I can now call call on for assistance from that aspect. Mm-hmm. Your your passion, your energy, enthusiasm for this work. I, I mean, it, it's it's coming off of the screen. Like I know we're virtual, but you can feel that that energy. <laughs> and it's interesting because I was just reminded uh, earlier this week I released a conversation with with Hugh Lawson. And he was talking about the same idea because, again, you know, he was someone who, you know, people, you know, especially a lot of young BIPOC leaders, like they go to him for guidance. And he and he talks about this idea. And I think of the conversation I've been having. There are a lot of people that are looking for just diverse faces, people from diverse backgrounds, community, socioeconomics, cultures. And 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 it's so important that they have people that are representative and reflective of where they come from. So, mm-hmm. so it, it's really, so I guess here's my question for you, you know, earlier or early last month, you know, uh, it was publicly announced that you had shifted into the CEO and uh, president role with the um, inclusion Canadian sport network. What was sort of the inspiration behind that? Was it, was part of that focus to be able to give, to create a stronger network for, for some of these young and emerging leaders, um, as well as us that maybe been in the game a little bit longer? Yeah, it was it was exactly that. Because what Leanna started when she created the Black Canadian Coaches Association, even when I was a part of the mentorship program, it wasn't just Blacks that were in there. Like We had people of different races that were a part of that program. But the most important part was I didn't want it to die down because I knew if it died down and it stopped and we no longer had that organization, it would take decades again before something like this would come forward. And there's so much momentum. There's so much push. There's so much promise to be done for that next generation coming up. It it just makes my days a lot longer. But to be very honest, it makes it, makes it a lot. It's worth it. 
it's worth it to see how we're helping that next generation. It's worth it even for people that are my age and in that same era, like that same era as me. Again, we don't know everything. We don't have everything, but hopefully being able to help that coach. And the one thing I see in my position, and I call it the purple elephant syndrome, is people not getting positions because, oh, they don't have enough experience working in athletics. Oh, they don't have the proper certification. Well, let's start eliminating these things so they can't say you don't have those certifications. Let's give you these opportunities so if we can offset the cost to help people get their NCCP certification, if we can help them get that mentor to help them or get some volunteer experience so they can say, yes, we, you know, we are having some experience, but at the end of the day, we need to help those individuals because for as much as I say people want to say that they want to hire BIPOCs and they want to make it more diverse, I see more people making up excuses as to why they haven't hired a BIPOC person or why their department isn't as diverse. So hopefully with ICSN, one, we're going to help our BIPOCs get the certification, the experience, the mentorship that they need, but it's also at the same time, let's help educate non-BIPOCs as to how you can help BIPOCs, as to how you can see things differently to open a door and also expand your leadership and your mentorship so you can help that person. Like I remind people, when I started in my career, all of my managers and all of the people I reported to for a very long time in my career are all white men. Mm -hmm. And through my career, I, I never really noticed race. I never really... Like that was never an issue and it never came up. They still treated me the same and they taught me the same. They would say different things like a little tidbit I used to, I still go back to when I, for when I was a student at Brock University and I was working all of the sport games because that was my job and we had a uniform and part of the uniform because I was a supervisor is like you had to dress the part. Like, you know, so you had to dress up. Mind you, I'm from Scarborough. Dressing up to me was putting on a tracksuit that matched. So it wasn't like I didn't have those dress clothes because it's not something that I I wore growing up. The only time I really wore dress clothes is when I wore my high school uniform. That was dressing up for me at that aspect. So I'll never forget Lauren Adams. Lauren Adams was my athletic director. And Lauren, and I think he can clearly see I was uncomfortable when I was told what my uniform had to be. And I said to him, I can't afford dress clothes. Like I can't afford to buy clothes like this and to wear this because, and I wasn't going to accept the role as a supervisor. And he said to me, he's like, just go out and buy one pair of good black pants. And I was like, go out and buy one pair of good black pants. And I'm going to give you four different colored golf shirts. So like I was at Brock. So I had a blue, I had a red, I had a white. I had a, and I had um, a gray one or a different color. And he was like, you can wear the same pants and nobody's going to know the difference. He was like, just get a solid pair of black pants. Don't get a pattern. Don't get anything fancy, solid pair of black pants. And if you have to wear them two days in a row, no one's going to judge you because you're wearing black pants from that aspect. And then I had the different colored shirts that I could wear and change and wear a different shirt every single day. So a different day, I had a different shirt. And over my four years at Brock, I got like, you know, he would give quarter zips out. And I still, 20 years later, still have the quarter zip that we were given as a gift. And we would wear a quarter zip or he would give us a jacket or he would give us some type of different top but I would always have my fancy black pants. And then every year I would at least try and buy one or two black pants. And that stuck with me because I wasn't going to take a job because I didn't think I could do it because I was going to get judged on my clothes. And it was just that small little conversation that was a huge impact for me as to the job is fine. And yes, we understand, you know, dressing up is not for you or that's not your style, but here's how we can slowly break you into dressing up. And that's why for me, again, whenever I have students or whenever I have staff, I always provide them with the golf shirts. I always provide them with the long sleeves, the quarter zips, things from that nature. So they don't have to feel like they have to go out and buy all brand new dress clothes. Maybe you get a good pair of pants or something from that nature. And I've provided you with all the different types of shirts that you need to mix and match from that aspect and go in that direction. Because that was something that stuck with me and I respected and still do to this day. Mm. 
And it's interesting how just the willingness to have a conversation to pull you aside and just like, just, you know, sort of deal with you human to human and just Mm -hmm. what, 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 what is it, right? That Shauna needs right here, right now. And it's just funny how just focusing on that solution just helped you at where you were on that journey. And then that lesson, you continue to bless other people that you're leaving today. How cool is that? (laughs) Yeah. And it's also, it helped me open up because it's like, dude, he didn't judge me. He didn't judge me. He didn't make fun of me. He didn't like look at me and be like, what do you mean you can't afford clothes? And Mm -hmm. it was one of those things where he literally was like, like a father figure on campus. And mind you, if I messed up, he told me I messed up. He let me know I messed up, but it wasn't just, he sat there and scolded me. It was like, yeah, you messed up, but how are we going to fix it for next time? What are we going to do different? So it doesn't happen next time. Mm -hmm. And it also teaching me about work-life balance because before I was, again, just working in the athletics, working in recreation because I needed to pay to go to school, pay my rent, pay all my bills. But he's also like, you're young, go enjoy. He's like, it's okay to go to the movies. It's okay to go to dinner with your friends. It's okay to take a weekend off and not work and just go, go out to Niagara Falls or something and enjoy the day. He's like, don't just work your life away. Enjoy what you're doing. And that's when he said, the moment you're not enjoying what you're doing anymore mm-hmm. is the time you need to reevaluate why you're doing what you're doing. And if you do this list and realize that you're no longer having fun, maybe it's time for you to start looking to move on and go somewhere else. Because the longer you stay in a position that's no longer fun for you, it's going to impact your work. It's going to impact your relationships. It's going to impact how you see things. And that's the last thing that you want to do from that end. Just, just such valuable words, right? That still sounds like are still framing your life today. Yeah, I had some amazing leaders, amazing (laughs) leaders. (laughs) What if there's other leaders out there? Maybe they're in the sports space. Maybe they're in education. Maybe they're just in business and they want to start making their spaces more equitable, more diverse, more inclusive, but don't really know how to even start the conversation because it just maybe it's just really uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. Could could you offer maybe even like uh, some words of wisdom where they could even start? It's, you know, for me, I've always been open and transparent. Like if you're looking for help and you're looking to go to people, be open and transparent about it. Let them know and just say, if, like if you're uncomfortable with this conversation, it's okay to let somebody know, you know what? I don't know a lot. This is an area that is a little uncomfortable for me and I'm still trying to learn because you'll be surprised how a lot of people will be like, I get you. I understand where you're coming from. And it's like, now that I know where you're starting, like this is how we can start and we slowly build you up instead of just dumping resource and dumping all these stuff that it's Mm -hmm. not a comfortable situation. Um, to be honest, I, I started on LinkedIn. Like when I look at people and sometimes, you know, when your feed comes up and some people might come up on your feed and I look at different articles, I've seen different articles. I've seen different podcasts. I've seen different things. And sometimes it's just, I always go with my gut. And if my gut is saying, you know what, something about what they just said is sitting with me and I want to know more. And I reach out to that person. And again, one of the advice I got was, you won't know unless you reach out. They're like, what's the worst they can say? The worst they can say is no. If they say no, they say no, but you won't know unless you reach out. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those where if I, again, when I was reading it and I remember when I reached out to um, Shay and Amy at the NCAA inclusion, when I got this job, my first sentence was, I just got hired. I'm the only one in Canada in my position. Please help. (laughs) And then I explained who I was and like literally two, I think it was like later on that week, I got an email back and all they said was, we got you. They're like, let's set up a call. We're here to help you. Tell us what information you need. We're going to connect you. And next thing you know, they're sending me emails. Like they're introducing me to some of their partners because after the meeting, it's like, 
okay, here's who we work with and they might be able to help you. And now that's how I got started with having some of these meetings and some of these partners. And now I'm able to bring these partners and these organizations to organizations in Canada to help us grow and things from that nature and open honesty, transparency. I, and again, don't sit here and be like, I know everything because I don't and I'm still going to grow, but here's how we grow together and here's how we learn. So I think that's the approach and that's how I've taken it was when you reach out to people, don't be afraid to be open and honest and that transparency. And mm -hmm. if hopefully if they're not the ones that can help you, they can at least point you in a different direction to be like, you know what, I might not be the right fit, but here's an organization or here's mm -hmm. somebody that I encourage you to reach out to because they can help you on that journey. Mm -hmm. I love that. And it just reminds me this idea that if you approach every situation, every person with an open mind, an open heart and palms facing, you know, you'd be surprised how many people will be willing yeah. to help and support you along the journey. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm curious, I want to be respectful of your time and energy. Um, if anyone is intrigued, you know, they want to learn more about what you're helping to grow uh, with the ICSN or the OUA, um, is there any way where people can start to learn more? Definitely, you can start with our websites, um, our social medias, because nowadays, especially if you're on socials, but if you're not on socials and you're more old school, we also like our websites. Um, don't really have newsletters for the OUA, but on the OUA website, we will have the different programs, the different things that we have done. I will say, though, for the OUA, a lot of our programs, especially like our Anti-Racism Awareness Week and things that we've done is more updated on our socials. Um, for ICSN, sign up for our newsletter because we are working on having monthly newsletters that will be going out that will continue to update. And it's also, again, some of the things is us sharing our partners works because, you know, we have our partners who are doing some amazing things that are out there. But again, people just don't know that they're doing these amazing things. So if we can help by sharing some of those things that are happening across the country in different provinces, you might find out about things happening in your province that you didn't know before. So those are some of the opportunities. And nowadays, LinkedIn, like a lot of us are on LinkedIn, we're providing those updates and things from that nature and the one best thing I can say about LinkedIn is sometimes it also helps you connect with other people in our network that you will also see and again if you see somebody and sometimes I like to connect with people on LinkedIn because I'm like oh they got a cool title it's like <laughs> what does that title entail or sometimes I might see somebody and it says you have 105 contacts and can like um like similar contacts and I was like how do we know so many people and how have we not crossed paths in that direction so you never know how you can run into people and introduce and meet people in that retrospect and like I've been following you on LinkedIn for a while especially I think after you got hired with Football Ontario and I was actually at Field Hockey Ontario when you got hired at Football Ontario and then I was looking at your bio and your resume and it resonated with some of the work that you were doing so I've been following you and it's like when you reached out to do this I'm like this is like a full circle moment kind of meeting each other and going from let me just add him on LinkedIn and see maybe down the future we can connect to sitting here talking with you and like growing what we want to move forward for the next generation. Absolutely and uh yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to be walking this this journey with you. Um, Sean, I'll, I'll be more than happy to share all of those uh, wonderful links and resources on the description on the podcast, on YouTube, on Facebook and, and everything. Um, I just want to take a moment to thank you. Uh, I want to acknowledge you for the great woman you are, you know, the great mom, you know, coach, leader, mentor, but more importantly, the amazing human being you are. The one thing I've really gone from this conversation is just your persistence, your patience, your, your willingness to just make this world a better place. So I just want to thank you for that and just sharing your passion with the world. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm working on patience. So patience is something I'm definitely working on, but it's, <laughs> I will say it's when when you get to work with people like you and you get to see the next generation that it's like, you know what? I realized we we got something to fight for and we have, we have some great, great leaders that are coming up behind us. And hopefully 
you and I and others like us can leave a better place for them when they're ready to step into this world and grow and have their careers on that aspect. And that's what keeps me going at the end of the day. And again, the other thing that keeps me going are people like you and everything that you have done and you continue to do, not just in the football community, but in the sports community period, Mm -hmm. you are a beacon of light that we need. And it's an honor just to even be in this space with you. So thank you for doing what you do and for shining a light on individuals in different aspects and how we can grow together to make this space more inclusive and just enjoy what we're doing, having fun and enjoying our careers. Mm. Thank you, Shana. I I received those words. Um, I know you got to sort of take off. So if you got to sort of take off, uh, I can appreciate it. Um, Yes. I love how my child is just staring at me with her swim bag, dangling it. Like, <laughs> hey, hey, it's all good. It's like, it's like you, it's like, you know, I go from doing the work hats, put the mom hat on, and then when swimming is over, come back home and I put my ICSN hat on and get some much needed work done. So hopefully we see some more amazing programs coming in 2024. And again, conference year two coming up absolutely so hey you gotta wear your mom hat you go wear your mom hat i will dismiss the class but uh i know we'll be connecting again soon so i appreciate you shauna definitely well thanks again talk to you later have a blessed day bye so folks shauna dropped so many valuable nuggets of wisdom that will not only help you succeed in sport but more importantly, in the game of life. But as I like to remind you every week in the huddle, knowledge is potential power. It's the consistent and focused application of great knowledge that actually creates greater results. So my challenge to you is to take one of these valuable nuggets of wisdom and go apply it to your life today. And as I like to remind you every week in the huddle, You are deserving of greatness. You are worthy of greatness. You are greatness. And my only ask from these conversations, if it resonated with you, if it touched your heart, then please share it with a friend, a loved one, or just someone that you think would benefit from listening to these positive, inspiring, and empowering ideas. And as I like to remind you every week in the huddle, The more people we have listening, understanding, and applying these simple principles to their life, the more blessed this world will be. As always, love having these conversations with you in the huddle. Have a blessed rest of your day, everyone.